and uh, welcome to worship uh, this morning and uh, well done in getting here I think it's the first thing to say and um, that you've all been uh, safe over the last few days and haven't sustained uh, too much damage uh, to your properties uh, we've certainly had a, a tree down at the manse which is the first time in 16 years that's happened and uh, uh, the cowl blew off the, the top of the chimney uh, but other than that we're okay but I know it's been a difficult few days so it's nice to see you out this morning and thank you for taking the time uh, and the trouble. Uh, if you're able to, you might want to stay for a tea and a coffee after the service and get warmed up. You'd be welcome to do so if you can. Uh, remember the christening of service uh, tonight, which is at 6.30. Uh, a lovely uh, candlelit service, uh, particularly put together with children in mind. So if you have uh, children local to you or grandchildren to hand, uh, do encourage them to, to come along tonight. Maybe even bring them if you're able to come yourself. And just to say as well that we are, for the next three Mondays in Advent, Monday evenings, we're going to open the church, uh, we'll put the lights on, it'll be looking bonny as it is uh, today, uh, and we're just inviting folk to come and use that space however they need to. Uh, Christmas can be a really stressful time for people, there's so much to do, your head can be spinning, and it's lovely to have an opportunity just to come in and to sit in silence and get your thoughts together, maybe to pray. So we'll make sure that's well known on, uh, through social media. But again, if there's folk that you know, you might appreciate just coming and sitting in the church for even half an hour, Monday night, seven till nine, and I'll be around and on hand uh, each evening for that. Well, lastly, just to, to say a wee word of thanks to the folk who've worked very hard uh, to get the church looking bonny uh, for today. There's some folk stayed behind after the service last Sunday to do the tree. You don't realise quite how tall a 12-foot tree is until you've got to put the top bit on it and get the star on. Um, so thanks to the folk who did that, to the folk who stayed to help with the banners, and also to Pat and Jeanette who were working with the decorations and with the uh, Advent ring yesterday in the middle of the gales. And Pat, very inventively, has been working with the decorations in the, uh, the windows uh, to make them into the 12 days of Christmas and including the, the vestibule at the front. So, she's produced this wee sheet, and if you're curious and you want to explore and investigate, the idea is that you look around, and you have a close look at them, and you try and work out which window is which day of Christmas, and it's not an order, because that would be easy. This is more of a challenge. So if you fancy that sometime, if you're here 15 minutes early, and you just want to kind of wander around and have a wee look at them, these sheets are available at the very front, and you can fill them in. And I think she tells me there might even be a prize. If you, oh, there's a prize. That gives you an extra incentive. So all the window alcoves plus the vestibule where you come in. And I think there's one day of Christmas missing. I'm not quite sure which it is, but she'll keep you right. So pick up your wee sheet if you want, and you can have a go at that sometime during the Advent season. Those are all our announcements. So let's begin our worship this morning in the words of hymn number 277, one of the great hymns of Advent, Hark the Glad Sound.
going to use a short response in our opening prayer. When I say, for coming to us in Christ, the response is, we thank you. For coming to us in Christ, we thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wonderful time of year, this season of Advent, which brings hope and anticipation and reveals so clearly the measure of your love for us. For coming to us in Christ, we thank you. Thank you for the chance to look back and remember the birth of your Son, who brought light into our darkness. And for the chance to look forward and anticipate his coming again, will he'll return to bring all that you have planned to its fulfillment. But above all, this season is about the present moment examining our lives, searching our hearts, listening for your word to us and renewing our faith, a time for recognizing more fully that Christ is with us each moment of every day, now and always. For coming to us in Christ, we thank you. Loving God, you entered our world in humility born to Mary in a humble stable. And you will come once more in glory through the risen and ascended Christ. And you are with us even now as we gather, here through your Holy Spirit, who makes Christ real and present to us. For coming to us in Christ, we thank you. Forgive us where we've been slow to seek and to serve you, Lord, less than careful in how we live. If you counted our sin against us, none of us could stand. But the scriptures teach, and Christ has shown us, that your anger lasts for a moment, but your mercy endures forever. So forgive us then in his name, and lead us on in newness of life from this moment onwards, as we begin this journey once again towards the day of your birth. So hear our prayers because we ask them all in Christ's name. And in his name we pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 24, and reading verses 36 to 44. And Ian McKenzie is going to read for us. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For those are the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. 
so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Amen. Thanks, Ian. Our next hymn is number 426, All Heaven Declares. Let us pray. All heaven declares the glory of the risen Lord. And as we start this uh, annual journey in our minds and our imagination to the stable in Bethlehem, we remember the angelic choir appearing in the hillsides to the shepherds, singing the good news of Christ's birth and God's goodwill towards humankind. 
Thank you, Lord, that we have got in on that, that we have responded to it uh, to the degree that we've been able to, that we've seen in you the truth that all that is beautiful and good and true and worthy is centered on who you are and the way that overflows into the world through Christ. So, Lord, thank you that we've had that glimmer of insight that has brought us to our knees in worship, in faith, in friendship with you. And we pray that as we hear your word this morning, that you would speak to our hearts and minds and bring to them what we need to hear today through your spirit. We ask it in Christ's name. No matter how many times we have heard these verses that Ian read to us this morning, there's still something quite shocking in hearing Jesus, God incarnate, saying the words, I don't know. I don't know when this time is coming. We just don't expect to find those words on his lips. And to be honest, they might even leave us a little uneasy here at the start of Advent because when it comes to what's important, we want to be sure about things. If your consultant studies your x-rays and your bloods and then shrugs her shoulders and says, to be honest, I don't really have a clue what's going on here, it doesn't inspire confidence. If you've had the electrician in, as many people will be over the next few days. And as he's leaving, he says, I think you should be all right, but it wouldn't hurt to just keep your fingers crossed. It's not exactly what you want to be hearing. We like our people in the know to be in the know. And we judge their competence by it, which is why in a lifetime of listening to politicians, I don't think I've ever heard one of them say the simple phrase, I don't know, in response to a straight question. And their line of work, admitting that you don't know something, feels a bit like an admission of defeat. Well, let me set you a better example this morning by freely admitting to just one small corner of my ignorance. The first Sunday in Advent always takes us into passages in the Gospels which focus on the end times or the second coming or the rapture or whatever you want to call it. And I have to confess that even after years of reading these passages, I still find them hard to get my head around. Are they literal or metaphorical? Is everything that they're talking about away in the far distant future? Or are they actually pointing towards something nearer at hand? The cataclysmic destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans and the burning of its temple in AD 70, which felt like the end of the world to the Jewish people. The scholars tell us that chances are it's probably both of those things. But separating out all the different strands and arguments around that question is a wee bit like untangling several different sets of Christmas tree lights in the dark with thick gloves on. It's not long before you're asking yourself if it's worth all the hassle. So in some ways, it's a relief that Jesus doesn't seem too interested in telling us 
when all these things are going to happen? For one thing, he admits that he doesn't know. Only the Father knows the date and the hour, he tells us. But more importantly, Jesus seems far more interested in helping us develop the character that sees us waiting patiently for God and keeping attentive whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. When is God coming? When is everything going to be straightened out? That was the question on Israel's lips when Jesus first came as Messiah because he was born into a land under military occupation and they were waiting desperately for a Messiah to come and save them from the Romans. But it's a question that many of us also carry in our hearts today when we grow tired of living in a world that seems so far from what it could be and should be. And we find ourselves just wishing that God could put things right. When is God coming? When is everything going to be straightened out? It's the perennial question of humankind, and I have to say probably especially the faithful. You'll remember the story of Mary and Martha, friends of Jesus, and of course their brother Lazarus, who had died. I wonder if you remember what both sisters said to Jesus when he came to the village for Lazarus' funeral and made his way through the mourners to see them. Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died, they say. In other words, where were you? Where were you when we needed you? And I think that's the Advent question. Where are you, God? When are you coming? And I think in that we're getting close to the heart of what needs to be said on the first Sunday of Advent. Christ born into the world, God embracing humanity by taking our form, living our life, dying our death, lifting us up from the grave to the heights of heaven out of sheer grace. That is the first coming. And the same Christ returning at the end of the ages with burning love to restore and redeem all that was lost. That's the second coming. The King finally coming into his kingdom and restoring things. But when we fixate on the beginning and the end, we sometimes forget the middle. We're bad at that in the church these days. Too many folk get baptized as infants and have a church service at the end of their life when they die, but they hardly darken the door of the church in between or have a, a Godward thought in all that time. We nod in God's direction at the beginning of life, commend ourselves to Him at the end, but we don't look His way nearly enough in the middle, in the midst of the actual lives that we're living. And yet, isn't the story of the Bible, the story of how God again and again comes to His people in ways that are holy and wonderful and yet personal and ordinary all at the same time. To Abraham and Sarah, God came in the form of three visitors that they shared a meal with. It was only afterwards they realized just who they'd been entertaining. 
To Moses, God flared up in a, a bush that burned but wasn't consumed, kindling hope in the heart of a man who thought his life was already over in early middle age. To Samuel, just a young boy, he came as a voice that seemed both familiar and unfamiliar at one and the same time. Three times he mistook it for the voice of Eli, the old priest that he worked with, but on the fourth occasion he understood who was speaking to him and he responded. To the disciples in the boat, thrown about on a stormy sea, he came on the waves in the dead of night, looking for all the world like a ghost. And it was only when he spoke that their terror died down and they knew who was with him. Or think of Mary in the garden on Resurrection Sunday, beside herself at the thought that someone had stolen his body away. And she lay there sobbing her heart out until a shadow fell over her in the morning sun and she heard her name spoken on lips that she thought had been stilled forever. When will God come? How will he come? We don't know. We can't say, but of this we can be sure. He will come. He will come as he's promised at the end of days to bring justice, to set things right once and for all, to finish God's work of creation. And every eye will see him as the scriptures say, and every knee bow before him. The child born in such ignominy will come again as the king in glory. But in the meantime, he also comes to us now in ways that are real but that need our discernment and our attention. Only Saul saw the divine light shining all around on the road to Damascus. His travelling companions didn't see a thing. Only Christ heard his father's voice as he rose up out of the waters of baptism. The others thought it had thundered and looked into the sky for rain. In the present, God often comes to us in the hidden in the small, in the mundane. And that's why the perennial cry of Advent is wake up! Pay attention! Be ready, for you do not know how and when God will visit you. Be ready. But what does it mean to be ready? Well, in the next few chapters of Matthew, Jesus spells that out for us. And it's not about looking out for signs and omens and working in chronologies or numerologies from the Bible or selling all of your stuff and going to live in a mountain and wait for the end of the world. Being ready just means getting on with the work that God has already given us to do. Jesus tells a story, a parable, about ten young women going to a wedding banquet. 
Five of them plan ahead because they're thoughtful and they bring oil for their lamps. The other five tag along mindlessly without making any preparations and then realize too late they've no oil and they can't get into the party. They're not ready. Don't live your life thoughtlessly, Jesus is saying. Think about your priorities. Think about where your time's going. Think about what you really value in life. Make room for God. He tells a parable about a man who entrusts some money to his servants before going away on a trip. Two of them invest it wisely and make more money. One just buries it in the ground because he's scared to lose it. And he's the one who gets an earful when his master returns. Don't be fearful, Jesus is saying. You've been given gifts to use in God's service, gifts to benefit others. Make sure you use them. And he tells a parable about the end of days when there will be a reckoning for how we've lived. It's known as the parable of the sheep and the goats. Those who saw and responded to need who shared their resources and their time and their presence in practical ways are blessed because they ministered to Christ in the guise of the other. While those who, who didn't see the need or who just didn't care about it are chastised for their negligence. Don't think only of yourselves, Jesus is saying. When you look after the poor and the hungry and the sick and the stranger and the prisoners, you are looking after me even if you don't realize it. Jesus is teaching us that getting ready for the coming of God means being aware of God as you go about your ordinary life, as you make your choices, as you use your gifts, as you share the things that you have been blessed with. And in that sense, every day lived, mindful of God, is Advent. Every day. I wonder how that sits with you this Christmas. We are all so busy at this time of year. There's a list of things to do as long as your arm and most of us are run ragged by the time we get to mid-December. And that's before we start dealing with missing roofs and fallen trees and collapsed fences. We can be so busy getting ready for Christmas that we miss Christ in the very season that bears his name. So as we go about the things that we have to do, are we willing to look a wee bit deeper and embrace the possibility that God might be asking us to minister his grace to others as we deal with that tired-looking sales assistant who's quite grumpy or that awkward set of circumstances we have to deal with or that person we know who seems to be needing a little help. Or maybe things are challenging for you just now. So dark and so difficult 
that God feels incidental to all of it? Can you allow yourself enough breathing space to pause and to remember that there's no place on this earth, no situation in life where God cannot and does not come to sit with his people, bringing light and bringing life. When will God come? How will he come? Even Jesus couldn't answer those questions, but of this he was sure. And we can be too, in his own way and in his own time. God will come. Not just in some distant future, but in all the mess and the joy and the pain of our now. May we be ready to meet him. Ready when that time comes. Amen. Daphne McWilliams is going to come now and lead us in our prayers. Let us pray. Lord, as we look forward to this first Advent week, help us all to reflect honestly on our lives and make every effort to respond to your call. Help us all to take the time out of all the busyness of preparations to come to you prayerfully and with love, and then to listen and watch for the signs of what you really want us to do with our time and our talents. We pray for our world, Lord, fraught with the tensions between nations. Give our leaders wisdom and patience and the ability to see the bigger picture, the need for humanity and humbleness in the face of challenges of immigration, border disputes, treaty negotiations and conflicts. We pray for our minister and our church family today for all those who work so hard to ensure that the fabric of the building is safe and secure, and those who use their talents to make it look so beautiful in your honour and to make our services so uplifting and inspiring. We pray for all those who continue to work so hard to respond to the pandemic, which still impacts on the lives of so many individuals, families and nations. We pray for our healthcare professionals on the front line and all those who continue to provide care for the sick, infirm and dying. When things take longer than we are used to or are not quite as we might have expected, may we all respond with patience, gratitude and understanding for all their hard work. We pray for all those brought low by the pain of grief, illness or the infirmity of old age. Give them rest, Lord, respite from the pain and the courage to keep going forward, one unsteady step at a time, safe and secure in the knowledge that all is held. We pray for all those with caring responsibilities. Give them strength, Lord, and the capacity they need to respond with love and patience to the challenges they face. 
May they experience the satisfaction of knowing that what they do is important and the joy of knowing how much it is valued by those they care for and their families. Lord, you sent us your Son to be a light, even in the darkest of places. Help us all to trust in you when we are lost or lonely. May some of the magic of Christmas inspire and bring joy to the lives of those who feel only a sense of hopelessness. Shine hope into all our hearts as we, have, as we leave this place today. Advent, Lord, come even nearer. Come to rejuvenate our faith. Come to fortify our social conscience. Come to widen our eyes of wonder, so that when the Saviour comes, he may steal into our hearts and find them ready. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Daphne. Uh, we're now going to light the first Advent candle and we're going to sing the song Christmas is Coming as we do so. our service this morning in the words of hymn number 279, Make Way, Make Way, a song that reminds us that the baby born in the manger is also the coming king. Let's worship God together.
go to find the God who holds the future and the past right there with you in the present moment. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.